0: reading out of the New Living Translation. These are selected verses from Romans 8. So in Romans chapter 8, verses 22 and 23. For we know that all creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory for which we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering, we too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as His adopted children, including the new bodies He has promised us. And in verse 26, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit... Praise for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Ever been to the point where you can't pray and your heart just seems to cry out? And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers, literally God's holy people, in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. For God knew His people in advance and He chose them to become like His Son, so that His Son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chose them, He called them to come to Him. And having called them, He gave them right standing with Himself. And having given them right standing, He gave them His glory. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This week has been exhausting for some of us because... Ask our most recent new mommy again. Childbirth is hard. I think the word that you used for it this week was brutal. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. So let's get real here. Let's look at a few deep questions and don't be afraid to ask them. Have you as a Christian ever felt like you could not bring yourself to pray. Have you ever felt that your strength was failing because you were running empty of hope and could not see a future? You could ask anyone this one, not just Christians, have you ever thought to yourself, there's got to be more to life than just this? Have you ever asked yourself, where has my joy gone? Now, you know, maybe there are some easy and obvious answers if we ask ourselves those deep and difficult questions. I was talking to a wonderful sister in Christ this week, and she is having a hard time because right now are many anniversaries of really big losses in her life, and the memories have come back. I've talked to several others who are in the midst of financial instability right now, and please pray for Melody and Doug, because Doug has lost his job as well. In those circumstances, you know what is going on. Health problems. Let's see. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. We've all felt that. Or maybe you would say, you know, I might be described by that bumper sticker that says, if you're far from God, guess who moved? Maybe it's because... We've gotten distracted, or maybe we've gotten a little too prideful or self-absorbed, or maybe you're just plain overworked and haven't taken time with God. Maybe, maybe it's been a while maybe even a long while, maybe ever, that you've really gotten serious with God. By the way, can I recommend revival? That's part of what it's for. Maybe it is even something more than all of that. I mean, in verse 23, the first half, it's, Paul is saying, we believers are also groaning. There's something brutal about this life. We are groaning even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. The one thing that we know as Christians that we can say to anyone from any walk of life, of any belief system, you could simply say, is there something wrong with life? With the modern age, with the modern day? Is there something wrong in the culture or in the society or with the world? And mostly, people will go... Oh yeah, you know there's always a yes answer for that. Either they're thinking of a particular thing or the fact that things seem to keep coming one after another. But it's not just that, it's also how do you handle the things when they come? Do you have someone to help you when you feel blinded by the difficulty and the pain to help walk you through the turmoil so you do not fall and injure yourself? You know, about 200 years ago, and I promise this is all of the history for this sermon, in the mid1800s, a war broke out between the two foundation bedrocks of our civilization in Europe and in America, the between Jerusalem and Athens, between faith and Reason On the the first front of the war was what any who have gone to seminary would recognize, that higher criticism of the Bible. The problem was it assumed God's absence in the formation of Scripture. Did you get that? It assumed God's absence in the formation of Scripture. Now at the same time, within 20 years, You also had a man by the name of Charles Darwin present his book, The Origin of Species, which its foundational assumption was the absence of God in the formation of the natural world. Now, theologians at the time said there were two places that you could really see God if you but looked. One of them was in Scripture. It was the book of Scripture, but there was another book, and they said that was the book of nature, that you would see God, and it was based on what Paul said in Romans, that since from the beginning of time, everything about God, that you need to know His nature, His goodness, His existence, is there in front of them, so they have no excuse. Remember that part? So these were these two texts that had God written all in it Scripture and the natural world. And at that moment in time, about a hundred years after the Wesleyan Methodist movement and a hundred years after the American Revolution, these two things took hold at the foundations of our culture cracked. When the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do, said the psalmist in 11 and verse 3. And now, we are a culture divided between those searching desperately for any kind of firm foundation for their lives. And those who feel that their foundations are under constant threat of erosion. And by foundations, I mean those big questions like this. Does my life have any meaning? Do I make a difference? Is the, the, the difference I make, is it in any way meaningful or permanent or is it just Hopeless and futile. Now for the Christian, our meaning, our purpose, our hope, our strength is found in God and in His assurance that in Christ we do make an eternal difference in our lives and in the lives of others. <coughs> Pardon me. But the best answer that the post Christian world has been able to give us one that was sort of, <laughs> I've heard in college a lot. Maybe you heard it too, some of you. The best answer they could come up with was, well, you live in a purposeless, meaningless world, so what we're called to do as humans is to determine our purpose and we defy the meaninglessness of life by choosing our purpose and implementing it. Does that sound like a sufficient basis to build a life? Even if you've never heard it stated like that, that message is incarnated in the culture, in the messages that come. And if it's not that then it's one of the other possibilities that are presented to you. How about this? Life is all about pleasures. Or how about this? Life is all about power. Or how about that other bumper sticker, whoever dies with the most toys wins. (laughs) I actually saw one of those on the road. It's been years, but it's stuck in my mind. Does any of that sound like a sufficient bedrock foundation on which to build your life? And we wonder why people say that they're feeling empty and that the generations coming behind us feel empty and pointless and that the suicide rates keep, keep, keep climbing for some reason. Eventually, some come around to the idea that this life is all about helping others. Well, guess where they got that idea? I'll give you a hint. He was born in Bethlehem and raised in Nazareth. Here is the good news for today. It is that yes, we are in the midst of a creation that is groaning, but there is more, first of all, there is more than just this life. I think somehow we let that bifocal vision that Christians always used to have start to slip as we get more involved with the cares and the concerns and the troubles and the goals and the possibilities and the this and the that and where's the bills and how are we going to make this month and what do we do if this happens or that. Happens, and we get so caught up in that that we don't take those moments to restore our vision of the fact that this life is the first act of a much longer story. There is more than this life. In verse 23, the first half is, yes, we and all of creation are groaning, waiting to be released from the struggle against sin, which is that struggle to determine and then actually do the right thing. And we struggle with that everyday reality of suffering. By the way, do you know that if you focus more on your pain, it will actually hurt more? If you distract yourself from the physical pain you're feeling, it will hurt much less. They're saying, and I guess this is where my um, technical cred comes out today. They're saying now for burn victims, one of their new therapies for helping them. is when they change their bandages, they have to pull it off and it is Agonizing. And there's something about this that they can't just completely dope them up. I don't know, maybe it'll send them into shock or something, but one of the things that they are using to help them without introducing medication is they're getting some of those VR glasses. You know what those are? You put them on and it's like a viewmaster, but it's in 3D and it's moving and they can look around. It's like they're in a new world and that halves the pain because they are focusing on what they are seeing and exploring instead of the pain that they, were dreading. We focus on the pain when God has told us to focus upon what one day will be. And in verse 23, the second half, it says that we also wait with an eager hope. And I remember this. And maybe you found it to be true as well. The Christians that I've met that seem to have that, oh, there's something that they have that I look at them and I say, man, I want that. They seem to be the ones who have that clear vision of heaven Always in view. It empowers and it changes them. And it. A lady that Lori and I remember from early in our marriage in the Baptist church she grew up in, once in a while she would sing. But I say that in quotes, because this woman could not carry a tune in a bucket. She couldn't carry a tune in a wheelbarrow. She would need a forklift to carry a tune. Are you getting what I'm saying? Plus, she only had one vocal cord. Are your ears starting to ache a little just with this description? And she would get up and she would start to sing... But for some reason, when she sang, the whole group was transported. You could feel the presence of God in the worst vocal performance you had ever heard in your life. Something would make, oh, what's his name? What was his name? On that show where every American Idol. That British guy who offended everybody. It would make Simon fall dead on the spot. But for some reason, I cannot get her singing out of my soul after all of these years. And I don't want to. There is something about those of us who have found that bifocal vision. And here's the thing. It does not make you so heavenly minded you're no earthly good. What it does is it empowers your work in this earth of bringing God's will let it be done on earth as it is in heaven. It is connected. Because, yes, there's more than this life, but there's more to this life than what? We often hear. In verse 26 through 30, the Holy Spirit within us takes our frustrations and our pain, all of the groanings that we cannot express when we don't know how to pray and delivers them to the Father. And then through the Son, we have this promise that everything we do and endure in this life is if you will, pregnant with meaning and with purpose. Even, and maybe even especially when it seems that it's just random. Or it's just vindictive. Or someone or this universe is out there to get us. See, we have a calling In this time and in this place, we were not brought to a place earlier than the 1800s where there was no indoor plumbing, but the foundations were secure. We were brought to a place where there have been these cracks. We have been told to build our lives upon the firm foundation of Christ. And we have a responsibility to get serious with God. And if we're being hindered in that, to course correct, to be aware and be receptive when others help us see, especially those closest to us. If we're being too distracted, or prideful, or overworked, Or listening to all the many clamoring voices instead of taking just a moment to stop and listen to that still small voice. We are asked to join together to support each other in times of loss, of distress, of financial instability, of declining health. And we are ambassadors to a broken and hurting generation with a message of meaningful life now and a glorious life to come. Last week we mentioned the Good Samaritan. We are called by God to be the Good Samaritan, to see the wounded, to offer them healing, and in so doing find an eternal purpose in our actions. As we become God's hands and feet. And you know the neat thing about that is if you are being God's hands and feet to bring healing to others, oftentimes that is when you find yourself healed in the process. Even the psychiatrists and psychologists have finally recognized this. You want to get out of your depression, find someone else, and serve and help them. Isn't it amazing that 2,000 years ago, Christ was recommending that for healing, you take everyone to be your neighbor and you provide them with grace. And we are called by God to be His hands in this world with our feet planted firmly in the next so that His will will be done on earth as it is in heaven, reminding ourselves and each other that our hope, our strength is always found in Him. We need revival. We need that constant reminder. We need to have the songs playing in our heads and in our hearts and on our gizmos and gadgets that help us get out of the pain of the moment and into the eternal. That is love, that is grace, and that is joy. Let me just read this last bit from Psalm 46, the first three verses, half of the fourth, this is from the Geneva Bible, the one that came over in the Mayflower before the King James ever got started. It's the only one that translates it like this. God is our hope and strength and help in troubles ready to be found. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth be moved and though the mountains fall into the midst of the sea. (coughs) Though the waters thereof rage and be troubled and the mountains shake at the surges of the same. Selah, this word that told the musicians to let this song rise up, but then to come down in peace. Yet there is a river whose stream shall make glad the city of God. May the healing stream of Christ's hope and joy and the promises, the promises of the days to come where all, of the difficulties, will be placed into eternal perspective. But also the promise that through every step of this journey, He will be with us. May that be a river of hope flowing through us. That others may also be refreshed. Amen. And amen.